One day, though, I'm just going to totally flip the script. It's going to be like uh, when Britney Spears just totally rebranded herself and like Christina Aguilera. I don't know why I went back to those that's two singers what you from went like to? the, that's what you call? the that's late that's 90s. That's what you the script, Britney and Christina Aguilera? <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Here we go. Kristen's Ahmed Farid. I don't know what he was talking about there i mean first off stop the music okay thank oh, I, you i did no and I shut off the i mean i really like challenge flag right out of the gate yeah did, like britney spears really ever rebrand herself i i challenge you on that yeah she went from like the the school girl that had the pigtails um innocent to being a little more, oh, you know, edgy. To the snake right? and anaconda around her yes. and she's belly dancing. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. So at I'll, a certain point, at a certain point, I'll show a little bit more skin. I'll be a little bit more raunchy. I will say a cuss word on this podcast. It's all part of the character development. At a certain Ooh. point, you just have to like develop your character and and tell a good story and progress. That'll happen with me. It's just, I'm not ready for it yet. Yeah, well, it, I mean, I think, you know, the fans will want it by that time. I mean, between, yeah, <laughs> we'd like you to swear a little bit. Yes. All right, if you want to show more skin or something like that, that's fine too. That'll get us some clicks. But you're also, I mean, you really started yourself at the bottom and you got nowhere to go but up. I mean, right now you're famous for brushing your teeth once a day. And for sweaty armpits. So, you know, yeah. it's all up. Arrow is up for you right now. How are you, are you so, doing good? You doing so okay? let me show right away. And this is <laughs> this is basically nothing. There is a little bit there. I will admit that. Right. And which is an accomplishment because we have had some technical issues up to this point, which is, you know, that's what this whole thing is. is like one big technical issue in 2020. Um, yeah. But I've held it together so far. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. At a certain point, I do need to see if there's another deodorant that I should use, honestly. Like, there, I might have a deodorant problem. It might not be me. It might be the equipment I'm using. Are you using a deodorant that has antiperspirant in it or anything I, like that? Don't they all? Why wouldn't? Why would you buy yeah, one? They don't. That, I realized what? that was part of my problem. I, You know, I was having the pit problem, too. And I realized <laughs> I was just putting deodorant on, and it had no antiperspirant. And my wife told me that. And I was like, oh, well, that's probably the issue. Ever since she's got it, been a whole different ballgame. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check it right after we're done with this podcast because now I'm curious. I've been bamboozled by the deodorant industry. They've they because I thought that's the main thing. I was like, smell. Obviously, you got to have that in there. That was that'd be like making a deodorant, yeah, without blocking smell. Like, what's the point of that? I don't know what the point of that is. You're you're right. I mean, sweaty pits are a man problem, and that's the first thing that we got to fix, no doubt. All right. I would love to talk about this for the entire uh, hour podcast here, and we can if you want, but we also have uh, other things that we can discuss here, Chris. Uh, we are going to go through, because we've talked a couple times now in a couple podcasts about what team do you think is the most talented team? You've said the Ravens, but I want to do a top five. Are you up for that? Do like yeah, your top definitely. five most, just all on talent. You know, we'll take coaching yeah. out of it. We'll take scheme out of it. Just who are the most talented football players out there on teams? Uh, we got that. I think we'll get a final word on our mascot battle royale, where we've talked about if the mascots were to actually have one huge fight, who would uh, come out victorious and who might be the first loser, the first one out there. So we'll we'll put a button on that. But uh, okay. First, let's talk about some of the recent news here, Chris. And uh, 
and it seems like the opt-outs, players testing positive for COVID, unfortunately, it's like the last thing that I want to talk about on a football podcast. But honestly, it's it's the biggest story going on in football right now, whether you can have a season. And that's a question that baseball has asked over the last you know couple couple days, couple weeks here now. Um, let's get right into it with uh, you know the biggest opt-out so far. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, Chris, we'll, we'll get to the Patriots, but I think it's interesting as Pete notes here, 10 offensive linemen, eight defensive backs yeah. um, or defensive tackles. I'm sorry. Excuse me. So the, the bigger guys. And I, and I think it's just it, it just goes to show people are thinking about this in a way like, yeah, COVID. We've heard if the bigger you are, if you have some of these underlying problems now, all these football players are obviously in pretty good shape. But still, you know, obesity is one of the. One of the things that that causes people to have worse reactions to this disease, right. and you're already seeing it in the NFL. Some of these bigger dudes are are opting out of the season, Chris. Yeah, well, I, I get it. I mean, you know, yeah, that that's the facts of the matter right now. Yeah, we have seen a lot of the people in the general public, uh, the ones that have struggled with COVID nineteen. Yes, there's definitely been correlation of that high. Uh, what do they call it? BMI, body mass index, yeah. and those things. So completely understand that let alone those are guys that play a position where you're face to face with people every play um so you know there, there's a lot of interesting angles here you know first off teams built their teams in the off season and here they are they're getting into the season and they're not going to have some of the pieces they thought th th that were going to be there to improve their team or help their team or whatever that may be so that's huge and you know some of these guys sitting out are greater than the others, you know, and I know we're going to get into the New England Patriots, right? But, yeah. you know, I just like a few guys that stand out to me, Ahmed, that really jump out to me as far as above the rest. And again, these are things we saw Doug Peterson, COVID-19 positive yesterday. Yeah, if you're an NFL football team, uh, you better have a backup plan for your head coach getting COVID-19 a few days before a regular season game. And I would think at some point during training camp, you have to prepare for that. And then who is it going to be that guy that takes over to be the head coach who can communicate with everybody, manage the game, do all those things, manage the press conference after the game? I, I, a smart coach, I think, would, would throw that scenario out there to their team during this. You know, yeah. we've seen some players go on the COVID-19 list, right? You know, none overly concerning to me. I, I'll tell you this much, Gardner Minshew, who we just saw on there, you know, yeah. he's a second-year quarterback. He had no OTAs. He's got to learn a new offense because Jay Gruden's the new offensive coordinator there. You know, I look at that and go, damn, there's, you know, here's 10 days lost for him and, and a critical time to kind of get going again. But, yeah, the players being lost is a huge thing. There's no doubt about it. And it's going to change the way teams have to address the season schematically. And I think that's where I look at it. Like the first one I'll say here, and I don't mean to blabber forever, no, but like for Eddie Goldman with the Chicago Bears. He's one of the best nose tackles in football, Ahmed. Big guy, can two-gap, just hold people, go this way, go that way, whatever you want to do. You know, they got a lot of good D linemen on their team, but now, oh, man, what are you going to do if you want to play the 3-4? Is Akeem Hicks going to play the nose tackle? Okay, that's cool, but then who replaces Akeem Hicks? You know what I mean? So, yeah, th those are big pieces. Uh, Michael Pierce up with the Minnesota Vikings. They gave him a three-year, $27 million deal to be a run stuffer. He's 350, 60 pounds. Well, now you look at the Vikings roster. He's off there, and I go, damn, 
They don't have a run stuffer on their defense now. They lost Linval Joseph uh, in free agency in the offseason. They signed somebody else. That doesn't work out. And then you go, damn, that changes the dynamic of their team and what Mike Zimmer's going to have to do on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah. I think those are some of the interesting angles. you know. And I think some teams have lost some more important players than others. Uh, and I'm not no, always into the total numbers of players. It's about the quality right. of player that concerns me with some of these guys or these teams. Yeah, the total number so far, I think, is 41. Players have opted out from 23 teams. We got over 80 players who are on that reserve COVID-19 list, which either means that you possibly contracted uh, the virus or you were around someone that contracted the virus. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there was a positive or it could have even been a false positive, I think. Um, not totally sure on some of the specifics on that. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, because, you know, we, we do say, um, and I think a lot of people agree that this is a personal decision. A lot of the players who are opting out obviously have reasons. Either they have someone at home uh, that they care about a whole lot that may be high risk, or a lot of them, new parents or their wives or girlfriends are pregnant. We're seeing that a lot um, right now, too. What, what do you think the, the reaction of teammates is right there? Because just like you said, it totally can change the complexion of your team. Do you think teammates, for the most part, are are supportive? Would you have been supportive of, of players opting out? Or is it one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I get it, but we're kind of all in this weird 2020 thing together, you know, stand by our side. We're all we're all kind of dealing with similar situations here. Yeah, well, no, I, I would respect it, certainly. You know, I would. Now, are there some some cases I might respect more than others or whatever? Sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I don't think in this time where we're seeing people die and, you know, get really, really sick and flirt with death or be in the hospital for a long, long time because of some of the complications from COVID-19. You know, I don't think players are going to be angry on a personal level. Now, do I think and I had this conversation with Florio a little last week. Do I think, you know, certain factions in a locker room are going to view that player a little differently here and there from time to time to where, oh, I can't believe he played because of that. Let's say it's a lesser, you know, concern or whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. I think there's going to be a little bit of animosity to a degree between the players that they're feeling like, ah, he left us out. How could he leave, leave us? You know, this is a big year for us, whatever it may be. But I don't really necessarily worry about it from the players as much. I think they'll be more forgiving there. Um, and I think the bigger thing to me will be the coaches. I think that's mm. where, you know, hey, you know, there, there's two ways it could go. Oh, wait, you're sitting out the year? Okay, we're playing football. Oh, the guy that we used to replace you, he's good. Oh, yeah, sorry, we don't need you next year. We, right. You gave a guy behind you a chance to play, and, yeah, we, we liked what we saw. You know, he might not be quite as good as you, but you're making a lot more money. So we're going to keep this guy. Yes. And then I think there will also be whether well, they'll never admit it. I do think there'll be a little bit of like, OK, if let's just say player A and player B are the same or let's say player player A is a little bit better. Player B, player B is a little less. Player A decides to sit out the year. Player B plays the year. OK, he's less. And I think if it becomes apples to apples next off season, and there has to be a decision made on, ooh, they're both free agents. Who do we bring back? 
I do think that the team is going to be more apt to bring back the guy that they go, oh, no, he proved to me, you know, he loved football or he was here last year. He didn't quit or give up on us. And I know those are things they won't say publicly, but I think that those are privately be things said within, you know, the cozy confines of a coach's sure. room or some private conversations, definitely. It, it doesn't take much. I mean, we've seen it. <clears throat> with an injury. And I think it was more like five years ago, you'd always hear that line. You can't lose your starting spot because of an injury. And then within the last five years, we've just thrown that out because we've seen it multiple times. And if a guy comes in and steps up and you do want a reward, right? If, if a player does play in 2020 and plays really well, it's like, you don't, you want to reward him for that. And so you will give him maybe the extra edge in in 2021. But I think that's also um, another, uh, you know, thing to say to the players who are opting out right here they know this right they know that it's going to put them perhaps at a disadvantage in their their career from this point forward you you have to believe they know that and so i give them credit i I maybe even give them more credit if they've considered that um because it just shows how committed they are to protecting either those people around them or you know themselves and um so the fact that it could have a negative impact on their future career i think they're most of them are are well aware of that. I, I am kind of curious the other side of the coin here, Chris, because you know we talk about it as like, hey, it's a player's right. Anyone can opt out if they if they want to, if they just don't feel comfortable. Is that true, though, you think, Chris? I mean, can a head coach really opt out? Can a, can a starting quarterback, I mean, when you really get down to it, does he feel like he has that ability to opt out if, if he feels like, I don't know if this is safe. I mean, all the coaches basically are in higher risk categories. Do they really feel at liberty to to opt out of this season? You know, that's a great question. I would probably say, you know, no, they probably don't feel that liberty. But this is where I would this is my real answer. You know, and this is kind of where I, I was just going to make this comment before you went into this. But th- th- they don't care. These are people like, you know, I think most starting quarterbacks in football, no, they're just going to play football. They, they love it. This is what they do. They're, they breathe it. They eat it. It's, they sleep it. And I think that's the same thing for a head coach. I think a head coach and a starting quarterback have very much that same DNA, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call it, stubbornness, craziness, competitive drive, whatever it is. Uh, I, I don't think these are the type of human beings where this really crosses their brain is what I'm basically mm. saying, Ahmed. Sure. I don't think guys like Bill Belichick or Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Sean Payton or Kyle Shanahan, I don't think they've even like, what, me opting out? I don't. That's never even crossed their brain. There's no way because I think – and that's the same way I feel, Ahmed. You know – Again, I, it would take a lot for me to not be on on out there. I mean, there's almost nothing. I would leave my family at home and go and go, you know, in a bubble for four or five months if I had to. I'd bring my yeah. family in the bubble with me if I had to and just say, hey, hey, sorry, kids. Daddy's, you know, starting quarterback for the New York Giants. I'm making $25 million this year. Fuck school. School's not happening. You're coming in the bubble in the hotel with me <laughs> or you can do it online, whatever yeah. it may be. You know, yeah. that's my approach. Or I'm you'll make school. it up ne- or you'll make it up next year. You know, or it's like really how much you're going to learn this year. That's yeah. right. It's a, right. It's only Zoom. It's not learning that much <laughs> in school anyways. But yeah. that's I was going to say that because that's my frame of mind. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I'm old school. Hey, yeah, I grew up in it. It's the way my dad was. It's probably why Bill Parcells liked my dad. And I just think that, 
Yeah, for the majority of those positions you're talking about, you said quarterback yeah. and head coach, those right. are obsessive compulsive lifers and they would die more sitting on the couch in October going, oh shit, they're playing football. Look at this. I wish right. I was there. That would kill them more than, you know, just the risk of, you know, of course, doing it in this, this era right now. Right. You know who might be caught in the middle, though? They're between the quarterbacks who feel like they want to do it and between the head coaches who feel like they want to do it. And like you say, like when you reach people that say that all the time, when I retire, why, why am I going to retire? What am I going to do? This is I enjoy right. doing this. I don't want to just sit at home. Um, but what about some assistant coaches who may be in the same situation age wise? You know, weight wise, not in the best of health. We talk about it all the time about the diet of a, of a coach is not great because you're in that building so much. I mean, do you think they feel at liberty to be able to opt out of this year? I, I think they do. I, I think there is a little bit more liberty there. Uh, and also, you know, just from the, the few things I've heard, right, from like my co uh, some of my coach friends, some of my front office friends, I think that they the head coaches, general managers, or whatever, the high, the high rollers in an organization, I think they've identified who the coaches were who might be high risk, and they really preach to them, you don't need to come back. We'll be okay. You know, don't, we're not going to hold it against you if, you know, you're an offensive lineman right. coach, like you said, who's 69 years old and has asthma. They're not going to be like, you're, you're screwed. We don't ever want you back here ever again. How dare you quit on us? No, I think they've gone the opposite way with those directions. Why? The big thing I've heard, especially from the higher ups, is they don't want that on their conscience either. Sure. They don't want to be going to work every day going, man, I hope my 71-year-old D-line coach is safe and feeling good. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want who to. Wanted to who I wanted hope. to opt out. And I told them, oh, that's going to be okay. You're going to be right. fine. And then you don't know if right. you're going to be fine. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Ahmed. And then you're thinking about his wife and his kids and his grandkids. And that's the conversations I had a few times with coaches leading up to training camp and all of that stuff. And I think sure. that, that for the most part, at least the friends that I have and text with and call and everything, I think they made it known to those type of coaches, you know, you can opt out. It's not going to be held against you. And we'll work with you to find out a plan that works, you know, for all of us, for your safety and everything like that, too. Right. There is no pandemic that could get Bill Belichick off the sidelines, I don't think, or murder hornets. Like if they were unleashed everywhere in the world, I think he would continue to he would probably sign a couple of the murder hornets to probably play in the, in the defensive backfield for him. But I, he yeah. does. He, oh, go ahead. You're going to talk about the murder hornets. No, no, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm just saying, I don't think there's many, co I think most coaches are wired that way. Yeah. You know, most of these yeah. guys have cornered themselves into this, this profession and that's what they do. And it's the only thing they do and there's no other option and they do it because they are psycho and love being around it yeah. and love everything that goes with it. So you know, I, I don't think there's too many too many assistant coaches out there that aren't of that kind of DNA is what I'm saying. Sorry. I was trying to make a, a weird transition from uh, the coach talk to Bill Belichick. Murder, I don't know how Murder Hornets got in there. He kind of threw it <laughs> off for me. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to get to the Patriots. And so, yeah, Bill Belichick's not opting out of the season. But a lot of his, uh, his players have. NFL high, eight players have opted out. Dante Hightower, who they call Mr. February, seems to step up uh, in the biggest games. He is opting out. Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon on the offensive line. Um, do you read anything into that? Or is it, did it just happen? I mean, was it just 
luck of the draw. There were a lot of players who were either, you know, had high risk people around them or just felt like 2020 wasn't their year. Do you read anything into the Patriots having an NFL high eight opt outs this year? Well, not a lot. I mean, I think they've gotten a little unlucky. Now, if I was going to read anything into it, okay, and where, you know, I don't think this is anything crazy. And, and first, I want to hit on all of this stuff, too, because I think the Patriots are probably the most interesting team, you know, that's affected by the pandemic to this point. But something I raised last week with Florio when we first started to hear a few of these names, well, I, I did the first thing that went to my head. My first reaction was, well, you got a lot of cerebral players up there in New England. You got a lot of thinkers. You know, guys that, you know, yeah, they're obsessed with football and they can listen to every detail and Bill Belichick's game plan and be all over it and all that. But that's also why Belichick got a lot of these guys where we're always like, where, where does he find these under the radar gems and all this? Well, he finds guys that, you know, usually love football and are very smart and can handle, you know, a, a heavy mental workload on a week to week basis. Now, sure. when you come along with a smart guy, yeah, they're also capable of thinking outside the box and thinking for themselves and going, oh, damn, that was the first thing. But I think more than anything, it's just unlucky. I just think they got a bunch of guys in, in a year where, you know, some pregnancies are happening and things like that, and it's unfortunate. Now, there's some names there, certainly. You know, Dante Hightower, you said Mr. February, been so clutch in playoff football. That's going to hurt. I mean, it's going to hurt. But – the thing I'll come back to, you know, even with Patrick Chung, same thing. I mean, you know, kind of a quarterback, knows everything that's supposed to go on with the defense. But, man, you know, okay, it's it's how many players total? Eight now? Eight. I, I don't – I'm not panicked. And I know it's New England and you're never panicked, but right. I'm not panicked because, okay, Brandon Bolden, okay, good special teams player, you know, occasional role on offense here and there during the season. I'm not going to go, oh, man, they're screwed, okay? And then Patrick Chung, hey, he's up there in years. You know, he's not the same player he was a year, a few years back. Well, you know, anybody out there listening to the pod or watching me and Ahmed right now, go to the Patriots roster. I mean, they got DBs growing on trees. They've drafted safeties early in the draft, the last two drafts. Joe Jawan Williams or Vanderbilt, the 2019 draft. And then this past draft, they drafted the uh, the Duggar kid, right, from the small school. I've lost my point. Uh, thought oh, yeah. my uh, Kyle Duggar, Duggar from Lenore Ryan. So my point being is even with a Patrick Chung, okay, there's plenty of depth at the position. And Bill's not going to, as we always talk about, let his team fall apart and what he wants to do schematically with one guy being hurt. So they're okay there. Dante Hightower, are they going to lose something? Yeah, sure. But then again, I would go, anybody listening to this right now, pull up the Patriots roster. They yeah. got linebackers, just like the DBs, growing on trees. I mean, so they lost they also not... Jamie Collins and Van Noy in the offseason, too. So it's right. not just these eight players. It's like they already took kind of a hit on that defensive side. They did. There's no doubt about it. But I also think they're going, you know, Chase Vinovich, who they drafted in the 2019 draft. They're going, all right, yeah. well, we're going to he's he's coming up the ranks. You know, they draft an Uche from Michigan this year. OK, they feel comfortable about him, you know, and they got other guys that were part of the rotation where I'm sure that Bill wouldn't have just let Van Noy and Jamie Collins out the door for free unless he felt like, okay, 
yeah, I got some guys here in this roster that might not be as good as Van Noy or Jamie Collins, but they're not not far off. And and again, I just look at their roster there, and I know some of these names are not household names, but I think they're guys that they have confidence in here, whether that's the Brandon Copelands or the Jawan Bentleys uh, and some other guys that go along with it. So what I'm basically saying is, it's New England. I know they're a big name, and it's eight players opted out, and we go, oh, no, Tom Brady's not there either. They're screwed. And what I'm saying is it's New England. They're going to be ready. And yeah. their roster was pretty damn good, and it's, it's, they've taken some hits to positions that I think they can manage and still make it work, and it's not going to like affect the bottom line of where their team is at. So you were going back and forth between the Patriots and Bills as who, who you thought was going to be the favorite to win the division there. While you feel like the Patriots are going to be okay and they're going to be able to figure it out and they still have Bill Belichick there, it does seem like the Bills' advantage has grown a little bit there. They seem to be, I wouldn't say solid favorites in this division, but it seems like more secure now than it was a week ago. Well, I mean, I think when you just look at the optics of what we're seeing right now, sure, I don't I don't disagree with you. You know, and they're the hungry team that's, you know, been – you know, beaten down by the Patriots for years and years. So they're they're chasing something, certainly. But I think I'm yeah. with you there. I give them the slight advantage, too. You know, they're, they're a little bit more, and this sounds crazy, a little bit more of a proven commodity right now with all the changing pieces that we saw in New England this offseason. And, of course, being the, the quarterback factor being the biggest one. So you want to see what this team is going to look like with Cam Newton or Jared yeah. Stidham and what it's going to be. So, yeah, I would give the advantage to the Bills. And the Bills have lost to it. Really only star low to Lele at this point as far yes. as player opt-outs. And they're, they're, they're going to be okay. I mean, star low to Lele, it's never easy to lose a guy like that. It's one of the better defensive tackles in football. But it's a position, again, that they're very deep in. And they've signed more guys on that front. Vernon Butler, Quentin Jefferson, a few other guys on their team. Uh, young draft pick from Stanford for two years ago. So they got enough depth and talent there with Ed Oliver last year in the first round to where yeah. I go, okay, yeah, that stinks they lost Starlo to Lele, but I, they're, they're, I, they're still going to be one of the best defenses in football. I don't, I don't doubt that one bit. EJ Gaines, a cornerback there for Buffalo, also right. has opted out. Those are the two players that have opted out for Buffalo so far. Uh, you mentioned Cam Newton for the New England Patriots, and I think one of the big talking points is that the they're going to figure it out. New England's going to figure out a way. Now they got twenty million or something around there in cap space. That who knows? I not a ton of players out there, but they may be able to find some to fill some of these gaps. I do wonder, and I don't know if I've heard a bunch of people talk about this. I wonder if Cam Newton's going to be pissed at all because I think when they signed him. They signed him under the idea like, hey, we don't have a whole lot of money here. We're going to have to take the minimum, and then we'll give you some incentives if you perform. I'll tell you what, that's not the situation for him anymore. They got $20 million in cap room they could have uh, <laughs> shuffled to Cam Newton. I just wondered. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about that, but if they sold him on, hey, we don't have a whole lot of room here, we, this is, we'd give you more money if we could, they got more money now. I don't know if that'll be a thing or not. No, I don't think it will be. I mean, it's something that I think he's going to know and he'll look at and be like, man, that's kind of messed up. They got no money and then they signed me. And then four days later, they got, you know, a little bit of a surplus of money. Uh, yeah. But I think he's at a spot right now where he doesn't care and he just wants to be on a team. And he knows he's on a team that he's got a chance to be very successful with, too. He's made a lot of money in his career. I don't think this is a, a deal breaker or something that's going to, like, make him look 
at Belichick or McDaniels in a, in a bad light on a daily basis. No. He also knows that, you know, this is business. It's part of the game. And uh, I think he's just relishing the opportunity to get to play there and get to yeah. play for that team and that offensive minds and everything they have there to, to show that he's back or that he's the Cam Newton we all, you know, know and remember before the injury. So what do you think about uh, – let's move over to the Jets and C.J. Mosley. Uh, he opted out, so he will not be uh, playing this year. Missed most of last year with a growing injury. Was one of the big signings coming over from Baltimore a couple of years ago. Got that big deal so far. That has not worked out so far. The Jets lost uh, Jamal Adams as well in that trade uh, to the Seahawks. So this is a team that it was going to be a struggle for them coming into the season, and it seems like it might be a total rebuild in 2020 for the Jets at this point. Well, it, that hurts. I mean, I, I would sit there and go, gosh, they lost their two best defensive players on their team here in consecutive weeks, and that's never yeah. easy to swallow. I mean, certainly not. You know, and, and here you are, you look at a guy like C.J. Mosley, and you go, man, we made this huge investment to to pay him and steal him from Baltimore and you know as you mentioned they've gotten nothing in return for it yet I mean he got hurt early on in the year last year with the groin injury it's a huge injury now you know am I going to sit here and just go oh they're screwed no not yet I mean I still think this is a Greg Williams who's really good coach on the defensive side of the ball I think it's a defense that better than people realized last year it was top 10 in football um but it's concerning because they lack difference makers to begin with. And yeah. now you've got, okay, the divisions paid attention to Greg Williams defense a little bit more in the off season, studied some of his tendencies and things like that. Can they kind of surprise the division the same way they did last year? I don't know, you know, and good that they signed a Patrick on I always, uh, on or Omusia from Baltimore. <laughs> He's yeah. going to have to play or be dependent on a whole lot more. You know, Neville Hewitt, you know, uh, what's who's the other middle linebacker? James Burgess. So that's what they got there. Certainly not household names by any stretch of the imagination. And, yeah, just another curveball or wrench thrown at the New York Jets organization here that's certainly going to hurt them. Well, and what it does, too, is it puts more pressure on the offense. Right? The Definitely. offense has got more pressure on him now to score, more pressure on Sam Darnold. They don't have a whole lot of uh, weapons around him. Uh, there are some out in the Jets community that's like, all right, this team obviously is is not going to be it in 2020. Time to tank for Trevor. It's like there's there's talk of getting a, a Trevor Lawrence as if Sam the Sam Darnold uh, chapter has already been closed in New York. Yeah, well, that's insane. You know, my, my my thing with that would be first off, I mean, Sam Darnold, he's not shown us anything yet to say that he's not a franchise quarterback. So why why are we doing that already? And then what are the Jets to put? What have they done to put around Sam Darnold to really you really know what he's all about? Anyways, I mean, cr crap run game, crap O line, average receivers. I mean, damn, I don't know. You can get a lot of quarterbacks in football. They ain't going to look that great with that formula around them. So, you know, they need to, to pump the brakes there. But I will say the point you make about putting more pressure on their offense is real because it's an offense that does not have a ton of talent. And two weeks ago, I was looking at them going, okay, defense is good last year. Greg Williams, good defense of mine. Man, C.J. Mosley going to be healthy. Him with Jamal Adams at the second level. Okay, the Jets could be a pain in the butt for people. You know, they can win some games through their defense and just a few splash plays on offense here and there. 
and maybe surprise the league a little this year. Now those two guys gone, and I just go, oh, man, it's, they just can't catch a break. They're kind of rebuilding their roster, and then they lost two key pieces that were, you know, proven commodities. And, you know, now there's just more questions on the roster to, than, than a few weeks ago. We got to get our friend uh, Kaminsky on the uh, the pod again to see his oh, reaction. Oh, he's probably pulled his hair out, and yeah, I just hope he's not on suicide watch. Really, that's all I'm worried about. Great point. We should check in with him. We got it. Yeah. We, do, we should touch base with him to see how he is handling these last uh, last couple of days. Uh, so, what do you think? A couple other names out here. Let me throw uh, this one at you, Devin Funches for uh, for the Packers. Man, it's not been a great off season for Aaron Rodgers. No. Not only do they not get a a wide receiver in the draft. Not only do they draft his replacement in the first round to move up to get him, uh, they lose Devin Funches, who could he could have been big for a big target for for Aaron Rodgers this year. Definitely. I mean, it, it makes the draft look worse now because they don't have him. You know that the okay, it's him. You know, it's Devonte Adams, James Kumaro, Alan Lazard. I mean, it's just. You know, okay, hey, I like those guys, but I want those guys to be my three, my four, my five, fifth receiver. You know, they need a legit number two, and they don't even have that on their roster. And Funches was hopefully going to be that, let alone I just think he's got the right skill set and body size for a guy like Rogers, who's a phenomenal fade thrower, go route thrower, sure. back shoulder thrower. Oh, you're covered. It doesn't give a damn. I don't give a damn. I'll throw it to you anyways and put it in the spot where you can catch it. That was Funchess's game. So, you know, that's huge. And, yeah, they're, they were void of weapons already. And here they are again in this, this same spot. So uh, that was a big blow to their football team. And, you know, Funchess yeah. is a guy there now where, you know, he'd be one of those guys who go, man, he's missed two years of football. He's certainly not going to get, a, uh, you know, a big contract next year when he signs with a team. Or if a team even wants to sign with them, because they're going to go, you haven't played football in two years. Yeah, now you got uh, Alan Lazard, you got Valdez Scandling, you got uh, St. Brown, and then you got Devontae Adams, who's not even a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Shut got up. no options there. You got no options there for, <laughs> for Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, what as about the Chiefs? As we talked about on text, as we talked yeah. about on text over the weekend, there's 20 top 10 receivers there in are. football. There really there is. And that's a deeper conversation for another day. But, you know, receivers, the, the, the greatest athletes on the planet, in my opinion. But we'll we'll dive into that on another podcast. You're still getting the blowback from not having Devontae Adams in, in not only your top 10, not your top five, your top 10, nothing like that. Uh, let's go to the Chiefs real quick. They had your number one receiver in Tyreek Hill. Uh, they do not have Damian Williams. He opted out of the season at running back. They did, uh, they did draft the kid from uh, LSU. Uh, Alaire, um, Edwards Alaire, Clyde Edwards Alaire. There's always three names for some reason, and I always get them in the wrong order. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Alaire, that's right, right? Yes, that is right. Yes, okay. and uh, um, no, I, yeah, yeah, Damian. And, I mean, Damian, he could have been the Super Bowl MVP, really. Well, he could have certainly. I mean, uh, he, he's he's a good football player, been underrated for years and years to come. Now, there's you know, another guy too, where I would just go, ooh. It's like year eight of his career, NFL running back, going to sit out a year. Man, that's, that's, a, risky, that's a risky proposition. It, it's, it goes like this in a hurry at that position with every year, whether you play or don't play. You know, I know people are going to go, well, he's, he's saving his body. You know, 
from another year of getting beat up. Well, he's still got like six or seven years of his body getting to beat the crap. And yeah. he's not getting younger and faster and stronger. Um, but, you know, it stinks as far as a rotation is concerned there. But there's a part of me here that's almost excited about it just because I think it's going to force the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing to, you know, take off a little faster than the Chiefs may have wanted. They might have been, hey, Damien's our guy. We'll kind of slowly infuse Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now it's like, oh, we can't dip our toe in the water. We got to jump all the way in here. Let's go with him. And as you know, I think he's, I think he's, you know, he's going to be a superstar. He's the perfect, not only an awesome player, but he's the perfect player for the scheme in which they run. And that's where I go, damn, when you get those two things that match, that's when specialness can happen. And, you know, I, I mean, get, damn, Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds, aggressive, one of the best screen game designers. I mean, that's why we know Bryant Westbrook from back in the day with the Eagles and even LaShawn McCoy and guys like that because he knows how to get his running backs the ball in space. And that's where I'm really pumped uh, with Edward Tillaire, let alone he's got Tyreek and Kelsey and Sammy Watkins, you know, stressing everybody down the yeah. field. Yeah, all those weapons are why Patrick Mahomes wanted to, to stay in Kansas City for a long time, along with the half a billion dollars that they offered him to uh, to stay there as well. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see big things from the Kansas City offense, I think, once again. We, I was kind of hoping to see big things from from Daniel Jones this year because I think his rookie year was, was a lot better than a lot of people expected for a guy who people thought that the Giants overdrafted in the draft last year. But now they've lost a Nate Solder on the offensive line, how much does that impact, you know, Daniel Jones and the offense overall for the Giants, you think? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to force their rookie uh, number. What was he? The number four pick of the draft, Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas. it's going to, it's going to force him over to left tackle immediately. Right. That's the first thing. And, you know, Nate Solder is as much as he's a household name and we know him from all those great years in the Patriots and, and winning Super Bowls and protecting Tom Brady's backside. Hey, listen, it's, it's, it's certainly his play has not matched up with the price tag in which he's, you know, uh, commanding there in New York, being paid like one of the best left tackles in football. You know, he's not one of that. He's not one of the five best. Really, he's not one of the 10 best. You know, he dances around probably – not even in the top half of the league as far as left tackles are concerned. And I'm not, I don't sit here proud to say that about a guy who is a legend in the NFL. Sure. But I think he's clearly on the bottom side of his career. This would probably have been his last year with the Giants anyways. Um, and, you know, the thing they'll have to do is now that Thomas goes to left tackle, I think you'll have a guy like Cameron Fleming who's been up in New England with Joe Judge and this group of coaches before – to where he'll play right tackle, and that's how they'll try to make it work unless there's a young guy there that comes about, like, you know, the Matt uh, Matt Peart guy who they drafted yeah. out of UConn, you know. But other than that, I would sit here right now and go, Andrew Thomas, left tackle, fine, no problem. He won't have any issues. He played in the SEC. He's played against all these good pass rushers he's going to see in the NFL. He's going to go, I've seen these guys before. He'll be ready to go. And – yeah, then it's just going to be that right tackle who I think will be Cameron Fleming until, you know, proven otherwise or somebody beats him out.
Sure. Pete notes here that the Giants gave an extension to the undrafted free agent uh, Nick Gates this weekend, who could also be in the mix there. For he right could tackle. be in the. There's no doubt. It, it, that those are the guys that are the hardest for me to tell you about as a podcast listener or you the host or anybody. Yeah. Because you know I don't. Yo, I get to see him in the preseason last year a little bit. Blah blah blah. You don't really know how the team evaluates them or how high a regard they hold them in, and. Yeah, it's hard to, to know that when you're uh, a talking head and not getting to see practice or getting to see real reps all the time from some of these guys. Any more in COVID talk? You want to get to any teams that you've you've noted here and that have been hurt hard by the opt-outs? I think you mentioned a couple of them there, the Bears and the Patriots, obviously. Any other yeah, final COVID-19 talk? I don't think so. I think we've hit it all. You know, I think those are the ones that jumped out to me. You know, and again, I'm, I'm not concerned about the Patriots as much as I thought I would be when I really started to look at it. Yeah. You know, but um, hey, but this is early and we're going to see where this goes uh, because the NFL certainly wants to close this opt out window so that these teams can start building their football teams. Uh, but at the same time, they got to be a little sensitive to letting these players get a feel for what's going on. And, you know, is this the right thing for these players and give them the chance to figure that out before they opt out? So uh, I think yeah. we're going to get some sort of answer on that here in the next few days. In my mind, it's all going to go perfectly because I'm tired of thinking about things going to crap. I'm just going to think well, in my mind, I'm going to pretend it's all going to, they're going to be able to test. They're going to play once a week, which is going to help them out. Uh, players are going to be safe. Coaches are going to be safe. And this season is going to go off without a hitch. That's, that's how I'm going to operate for the next 24 hours. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling that. And, and like, <laughs> listen, you and I, we're both baseball fans. Yeah. You know, I mean, what I saw from baseball this weekend makes me feel better too. You know, sure. we saw a team with an outbreak. Oh, we saw another team with an outbreak. Okay. But the teams they played weren't necessarily affected. That was good. And, you know, it didn't run rampant through the league or anything like that. And, the, and Major League Baseball survived the weekend, and they're still going strong. So yeah. with things like that that I see, it, it does make me feel better. The conversation will completely change once again. Once a, a player, you know, God forbid, or a, or a coach really has some serious side effects from uh, yeah. from the disease and knock on wood, it, it hasn't seemed to have happened so far. And hopefully we're getting better at treating the virus and the disease that it doesn't happen at all. Um, but that's that's where the next shoe drops. Hopefully it never drops. But I think that's something to, to keep an eye on for, for baseball, for sure. And for football, once we get to it, but let, let's talk about the players who are going to be there and who we think uh, are going to play a significant role in 2020, because we've gone through this a couple of times, Chris, where we've talked, we, we were asked, what is the, the most talented roster in the NFL? Which team is the most talented? You've addressed it a couple of times. You said the Ravens. I think your dad said the Ravens too, didn't he? Did your dad uh, say it was the Ravens? He did. And we didn't yeah. even like prepare him for that or anything. We he kind of just he kind of just said it, right? So we know they're number one for you. Um, I've also kind of scrapped together a top five. I always like to do this from time. Just keep you on your toes a little bit. Oh, you know, I check love you. it. Well, like first check off, you. you know, I don't I'm not I don't sit here and just think that you know my word is law. So I like to yeah. hear what you think. Yeah. And you know, I think. I think legitimately, like, yeah, my top five, I feel like there's three teams that should be in just about everybody's top five. And then yeah. I think, you know, there's a number of teams that you could put in as that, you know, four or five spot. 
See, when you say that, there are three teams that should be in everyone's top five. That makes me oh, nervous make right nervous. away. I know. Yeah. I, did. I know. <laughs> yeah. I've said it to make you nervous because you're going, oh, no, nervous. do I have one of those three teams? Or he's no, gonna... but I have I have reasons, though. So even if you may be wrong here. So you may be wrong. Oh, I've just knocked over my water bottle. Hold on. You sound nervous. I know that. That's what happens. You've got me all frazzled people. now, and <laughs> I'm not doing a pit check. So this is, you've got me all, all freaked out. So let's go, uh, let's alternate here. Um, and we'll do this once again, where if I have a, a team on my list, you can chime in on all my teams that I've picked here, but if they're also on your list, you can wait to give your reasons until we get to them on your list. Does that sound good? Sounds good. I like okay, it. So, so let's go, let's just start with your number five. Let's start with your number five, most talented team. So what are the rules for this real quick? This is just, you know, talent on the roster. This is not scheme. This is not head coach. This is just that's right. how good of football players are on your team, right? That That's exactly right. You know, top level talent, take into some consideration, some depth and everything like that. You're right. But nothing to do with coaching and scheme. Nothing. Okay. So yeah. my number five team is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. You know, yeah, the eight and eight Dallas Cowboys. And I know people out there, the first thing they're going to say, well, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Okay. Well, I, I think they've showed us why they didn't think they made the playoffs. You know, one, you know, the, the organization didn't like the coaching and nor did I, you know, how many times last year did you just, did you hear me say Dallas just goes out and plays. They just think they're the Dallas Cowboys and we're better. And we're just going to beat you because we got bigger and faster guys. Okay. Yeah. Your guys are bigger and faster but not by so much that you can just come out with the normal same bullcrap game plan every week. It's sure. not by that great of an amount. It's the NFL. There's a salary cap. No team is like that much greater. I mean, so, so I still look at them though. And you just go through it and you go, okay, offensive line. Well, we know that's special running yep. backs. It's pretty damn good group. They got there wide receiver. Damn. They just got CD lamb and the draft to go along with the receivers. They got that's a pretty damn good group. You know, tight end play. All right, we'll see. It's a little unproven, but there's some young talent there. We know the quarterback's good. You know, you go to the defensive side. Hey, Dexter yeah. Lawrence, I know they lost a pass rusher, but I still look at their D-line and go, man, there's a lot of depth and a lot of physical specimens on their D-line that excite me. And then, you know, as you get into linebackers, you know, you can linebackers argue that seem special. Yeah. Right. You can argue it's the one of the best duos in football as far as that's concerned. And then even the secondary, you know, yeah, I know the safeties aren't like, you know, something you write home about. But, you know, Chidobia Wuze, Jordan Lewis, uh, Anthony Brown, uh, they just drafted Diggs from Alabama. I just look at them and go, you know, there's just really not a spot on their roster that I look at and go, ooh, it's an issue. I'm really concerned about it. And then I do think the coaching is going to take them over the top. I do. And that's why yeah. I'm expecting a big year from the Cowboys. Dallas kept popping up uh, for me, too, when I was looking at some of the different position groups out there. But our list will not be identical because I do not have – the Cowboys in my top five. They were honorable mention. They're not in my top five. So we already have our first discrepancy. My number five team, most talented roster in the NFL going yeah. into 2020, the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm putting the Los Angeles Chargers in here. They barely make the cut. Um, you look at the secondary Desmond King. You got Derwin James. Uh, you got wide receivers with Keenan Allen, who you also don't like, like Devontae Adams. But uh, he is there for me and Mike Williams. Uh, yeah, I, I think Belaga on Williams the line in front of Keenan Allen, just so you okay. 
That's, All right, uh, just that's to add fine. that and stir that pot there. All sure. right, but I'm not uh, mad at you. Yeah, Joey Bosa. I mean, you got Chris Harris Jr. I, I just I kept looking at him and I was like, I didn't want to put him in there because I feel like to have a top five roster, a quarterback is so important and they have questions at quarterback here. Um, but I was like, man, that, they're solid pretty much everywhere else, it seems like. They are. I mean, you know, I, I think there, there's some star power. There's better depth on the team than you realize. I think in my, I'm a, this is one of my honorable mentions. I mean, I wrote them down here. And yeah. I think what stopped me was the quarterback. Okay. You know, running back, I like, but I'm not like, oh, wow, that's one of the best in football. O-line is a concern for me. That's probably the biggest yeah. thing that I just got a little scared of. And then, you know, other than that, you named it. The defense is stacked. You know, not an impressive linebacking core, but they did just draft a first-rounder, Kenneth Murray, who's impressive. I mean, we got to see him play. I like what they did there. But, yeah. yeah, I think this is secretly one of the more talented teams in football. I'm glad you put them on your list. I didn't expect to put them on there either. I was That was not one of the teams that I initially thought was going to be in there. But, uh, yeah, they were they were good enough. All right, your number, your number four, Chris. Well, I'm going to New Orleans. I'm going with the Saints. The Saints are going to be my number four team. You know, I'm, an, I'm old school. First thing I look at always is O-line and D-line. That's the first thing I do. And I go, damn, there's the Saints. Definitely one of the five best offensive lines in football. Defensive line, okay, maybe not top five, but, like, it's not far down the list from there. And they got some difference makers. They got a lot of big bodies. They got mm -hmm. a lot of different linebackers. You know, they got a shutdown corner in Marshawn Lattimore. You know, Malcolm Jenkins and some of the safeties they got. I mean, that. so I look at their defense and just go, yeah, I don't really see a position that I look at and go, man, they're in trouble right there. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins with Marcus Williams, right? They're their safety play. You know, we know yeah. about offensively, of course, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, one of the best quarterback rooms in football. Running backs, we know, is pretty damn good with Alvin Kamara yeah. and Latavius Murray. You know, tight end play with Jared Cook. Maybe the best receiver in football with Michael Thomas, along with Manuel Sanders. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at them, I just, I, I got to put them in the top five. I do. I just, I, I don't, I, I, they're, they got it all, is what I'm saying. So I will not reveal my number four team. I'm going to reveal my number three team which was the New Orleans Saints. I'm a little surprised because I almost put him number two. I, I was, I mean, because, yeah, you, you go up and down the, ro the roster, offensive line, Eric McCoy, Larry Warford, you know, uh, right. Ramchick, Ryan Ramchick, their, uh, right. their tackle there. It doesn't seem Cam Jordan on the defensive side. You're right. You go to, like, every position group, and you're like, wow, that's a guy that a lot of other teams would like to have. So I'm a little surprised. I mean, top five is top five. It's still very good that they're not a little higher, but I had them as uh, as number three. You think they're getting old? Some of that, certainly. I mean, Drew Brees and his age, Emmanuel Sanders getting up there, you know, Cam Jordan getting up there, certainly. I mean, yeah, there's some of that, definitely. And yeah. I'm, I'm not mad at you for having a number three. You're not, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. you know, when we get to my number three here, I'll give you the reasons why, but um you know, I, I think the big thing is kind of what you said, though. You know, you, you added Janoris Jenkins to the cornerback position. And then when you get into their the, – the, the amount of big bodies they have, like yeah. you said. I mean, holy cow. It's just unbelievable. 
And that's where they win a lot of their games. And we talk about Sean Payton and Breeze and Kamara and all that. But there's just never a game where the Saints go on a field and they're physically outmatched by anybody. And I think that's where the specialness of their roster really starts. Okay, so your list is Cowboys five so far. Then you got Saints four. They were my number three. What is your, what is the Chris Sims number three most talented roster? I'm going with the Super Bowl champs at number three. All right. And I almost made them number two. Mm. Okay. But the team I put at number two, I thought their roster was a little bit better. But I, the Patrick Mahomes factor makes you like almost give the Chiefs the tiebreaker with just about anything. Right. Oh, don't but give it away yet. Don't give it away. Yet. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to give it away. But yeah, I am going the Chiefs at number three. You know, yeah. Oh, again. Okay. Oh. Oh, I, yeah. I thought you were going to, okay, you're going Chiefs number three here. Okay, I get it. I am. I'm going Chiefs number three. I almost made them two is what I was trying to say. I see. Uh, because of Mahomes, I was, it was so close two and three. And I was like, oh, but the Chiefs have Mahomes. Maybe I should make them number two. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I mean, skill positions, come on. Out the wazoo. We know mm -hmm. that. Offensive line, one of the best pass protecting O-lines in all, all of football. Yes, uh, they, they lose du du Duvernay Tardif. That stinks. But two really good tackles, you know, arguably the best right tackle in the game and Mitchell Schwartz, you know, so you look at that and then the running back situation, Clyde Edwards, yeah. Alaire, you know, hey, the offense is set. Defense, uh, you know, not like the steel curtain, but playmakers. You know, I just look at Frank Clark and Chris Jones and some of the other players they have on the D line who are good football players, but the honey badger and the Bashad Breelands in the secondary and, you know, the young kid they drafted uh, at Juan Thornhill at safety and everything like that. I just look at the Chiefs and still think it's one of the best in, in the sport. Uh, you were not mad at me for having the Saints three instead of four. Will you be mad at me if I don't have the Chiefs in my top five at all? Will, will that make you mad at me? Yes, it will. Yes. <laughs> What if I say that Patrick Mahomes is so good and Andy Reid is so good, and of course they have Tyreek Hill, playmaker on offense, but those two guys are so good that they, despite not having a top five roster, they make it look like they do. And the defensive side of the ball is is a step back. I, I, I understand they do have some playmakers on the defensive side, but I, I just considered Patrick Mahomes being so elite and Andy Reid being so good that I know they're talented. I just feel like they probably aren't even the most talented team um, or one of the top five most talented team in the NFL. Are you less mad at me now than you were 30 seconds ago before I started that little rant? No, I'm not. I'm not less <laughs> mad at you. Because what I would say to you, just to argue that point, right? And, and again, I'm not sitting here. I think it's easy to fall in that trap. I think it yeah. is very easy. And what I would tell you is before Patrick Mahomes even got to the Chiefs, or no, wait, wait, sorry. He was on the Chiefs and on the bench holding the clipboard. They were the number two team in the AFC and yeah. the, in the AFC playoffs. So, you know, Alex Smith wasn't carrying them. I could tell you that. All right. He wasn't that kind of guy. So that's where I would just push back a little bit. I would. You know, I think when you get into receivers down the line, we didn't Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman and Travis Kelsey. They don't count as far as your evaluation. You're just going to just totally gloss them over and just give Tyreek and Mahomes all the credit, huh? Yes, I am. <laughs> no, hey, well, hey, you know, this is what I think. Uh, top five talented teams in the NFL. They're like 10 top five talented teams in the NFL. Oh, just like your wide look receiver at you. Thing. You plagiarized. I've learned the game. I've learned the game. I've learned the game. 
Uh, yeah, uh, no, they're obviously good. I'll, I'll give them that. But they got the Super Bowl. They don't need to be in Ahmed's top five, honestly. They've already had enough accolades here. So okay, maybe that, hey, maybe that'll motivate them too. You you never yeah. know. Oh, you're right. They need they needed to push them over the edge. That's probably what'll do it. Is Ahmed <laughs> Farid's top five most talented teams. But I think you know even some of the positions we don't talk like Charvarius Ward. We don't talk about him. He's a really damn good corner. You know, Honey Badger. Yeah, we hit him. They got other guys though along their roster where I go. You know, we don't give them much talk or respect because we're always talking about some of the superstars and yeah. that's where you know hey, the mike panels of the world uh you know the uh, passions and things like that i just look at them okay uh anthony hitchens at linebacker you know even positions we think they're weak at i look at it and go eh, they're not that weak they're just maybe not superstars it's still damn right. good so yeah i went with the chiefs we, uh, we got a note from Pete here, a, a small correction. Larry Warford is not on the Saints anymore. He's a free agent, and he opted out. Um, but I'm still sticking with them as my uh, – Well, their O-line is still great. It doesn't really still matter. Great. Your point was still there. Andrews, Pete, Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramscheck. You know, they yeah. just drafted a first-round center, Ruiz, out of Michigan. Oh, that's so, right, yeah. Right. So don't, don't worry. Your point's still real. But, yeah, Larry Warford's at home. My number four team, I'm going to go back to number four here that probably uh, is our difference here between the Chiefs. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see what you're going to say about this one. As far as a talent standpoint, I'm putting number four in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm putting the Philadelphia Eagles at number four uh, with Lane Johnson, even though he did just test uh, test positive here. We're giving him the... Uh, the go ahead there. That offensive line is so good. I'm just looking through it right now. Brandon Brooks and Jason Peters and Trav or, uh, Jason Kelsey. Then you got Fletcher Cox, one of your favorite players out there. Um, tight ends, Goddard and Ertz. And then you love Carson Wentz. I still think he's, you know, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. So I put them in the top five. I put them at number four most talented team in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're a team again. They're They're on my short list here. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, the, the big thing is, yeah, talented quarterback, talented tight ends. You're right. O-line, you know, real good. I'm a little worried about it without Brandon Book, Brooks. And now Jason Peters, it sounds like he's going to have to play guard and do all of that. But, yeah. yes, it's still one of the better O-lines in football. D-line, you're right. You know, a lot of big bodies. And Malik Jackson's going to be in the fold this year. And hopefully he can stay healthy. So I hear you there. I guess what I would say is with the Brandon Brooks, Brooks injury and all that, I would have said they were a top five O-line. I don't know if I believe that now. Hmm. D-line, they have top five potential, but I don't know if I could say they're in the top five right now. You know, linebackers, it's okay. You know, corners, the addition to Darius Slay does change what you think about their defense a little bit. There's no doubt about that. Um, you do lose a Malcolm Jenkins. So I think they're on the cusp of that. I don't think I would have put them quite that high, Ahmed, because also I just look at and go, okay, you know, like the receivers. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey are big household names, but how good are they really at this career, at this point yeah. of their career? It's just what I question, I guess is what I'm saying. And then I would yeah. also, I would also go, yeah, you know, th that's it, I guess. It. And I like Miles Sanders are running back, but I don't sit there and go, oh, they're superstars yeah. of running back. Skill positions. There. No, yeah. for sure. Skill positions are a, are a problem. And this is what I always do um, 
when I play Madden in video games, I turn off injuries. And so I'm putting Brandon Brooks is not injured in my mind when I'm doing this exercise here because I think injuries <laughs> suck. So I turn off all injuries and uh, <coughs> and and player opt outs for that mad matter. So oh good, I, I, I hear you. I, I turn off I, when I used to play. I used to turn off injuries too. The hell yeah. with all that. Why would you want to play? Wanna play? Team. I, I, right. Exactly. I never figured that. Why would you ever want to play with it? I, like, I don't need that level of realism. Like, I hope that Madden doesn't incorporate the opt-outs and testing positive for COVID-19 <laughs> in their next game. You I know, we don't. Either. We don't need that level of realism. All right. So we got the final two. And I feel like, uh, well, we already know Ravens. And Ravens is my number one as well. Um, so I think we all, uh, we agree on our top two here. Your number two team, uh, talented team in the NFL is I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I am. Is that who you went with too? That's who I went with too. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I'd love to sit here and be Johnny clickbait and come up with the different top three teams, but you know, I, I don't, I don't feel that way. And there's certain years that. Hey, listen, I, I didn't have the Rams going to the playoffs last year. They came off a Super Bowl game. So, you know, there was something about that team and that roster and where they were that I didn't love about that. You know, I don't feel that way about these two Super Bowl teams this past year. I mean, I don't even think the 49ers have even reached their prime as a team. They were kind of young and up and comers, right? But, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, hey, let's just start off again. You know, O-line, it's top notch. And they didn't even have their starting center last year in Weston Richburg, who's one of the better centers in football. So he'll be back. It's almost like an improvement right there. You know, damn, you lost Joe Staley? You, your team must be hurt. Oh, wait, you got Trent fucking Williams at left tackle? You got an upgrade over another Hall of Famer left yeah. tackle? I mean, so when you just look at the O-line, you go, insane, insane. George Kittle, insane. Okay. You know, you go to D-line, I just would go insane. I'm not going to sit there. I know they lost to Forrest Buckner. Well, they got Javon Kinlaw at pick 13, and the D-line yeah. was awesome no matter what, right? Yeah. You know, so linebackers, phenomenal. Safeties, really damn good. I think it's a top five safety duo in football. Uh, my man Rodney Harrison thinks it's an honorable mention or right outside the top five with Tart and Jimmy Ward. Corners, sure. solid but not great, okay? And then you go, you know, we talked about O-line. But they got good damn running backs. We know they got at least three of them there. McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, and Mozart. We mm -hmm. talked about Kittle. You got Garoppolo, who's, you know, top 20 quarterback for sure. Debo Samuel is hurt right now, who will be back, certainly. The Brandon IU kid, yeah, we'll see. It's potential. Yeah, yeah wide know? receiver is the – if Debo's out for an extended yes. period of time or if he doesn't come back 100%, that's where the question mark is for me on the offensive side here. It, it is definitely, yeah, you, they'll have to rely on some unproven commodities a little bit if that's the case, where, yeah, they'll have to be Brandon Ayuk or Jalen Hurd, who they drafted out of Baylor, you know, uh, two, in, in the draft two years ago, um, or, or even a Kendrick Bourne, who, you know, yeah. proved himself worthy last year. But, you know, that's one area where I looked at them, too, and not that I took into it. You're right. There's questions there. But I think it was one thing that made me feel a little bit better about it. This is I probably cheated from this aspect. I just went, man, Kyle knows how to get receivers open. He's done that mm -hmm. everywhere. So even if they don't have their top talented guys there, you I cheated. still think he'll be able you to get cheated. them open. But you I had did to cheat. Put, you right. had to put Kyle into the <laughs> equation there. You love him so I much. Did.
<laughs> yeah, at, at, at same reasons. That's why I put the the 49ers there. But you still think that the Ravens, and looking at it once again, the Ravens are still the most talented team in the NFL? I do. I just, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, arguably the best secondary. Definitely one of the biggest front sevens in football. You know, not that it's like just, you know, laced with superstars. You know, we talked about the O-line. That's really damn good. The tight ends are good. The running backs are good. Yeah, a little like San Francisco, the receivers don't blow you out of the water, but there's right. enough there that you go, ooh, they could be scary on a given day or a given game. And uh, But, yeah, I do think that Ravens is the most complete roster in all of football. All right, so a couple more honorable mentions here uh, that I looked at. Um, I almost had Tennessee in there. I, I, I feel it. like their offensive line and uh, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is better than people give him credit for. Dory Jackson, one of the fastest players in the NFL in the secondary there on the defensive side. So I kind of like them. I kind of like Pittsburgh. And one of the teams that I kept looking at, too, that actually does have some some talent, not quite enough to put them in my top five, was Cleveland. They, they got some talented players. Uh, on I'm that, glad that you team. said it. I'm glad you said it. They were on. You know, I wrote Seattle down here. Yeah. You know, Seattle, ultimately, I went, mm, some unproven commodities on the D-line that I got to see first. O-line, you know, is solid, certainly better than it was, you know, two, three years ago where it was a travesty. But I don't, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, it's a top five O-line or even a top 10. You know, I don't know if it's quite there yet. It's probably on the borderline of a, you know, top half of the league type O-line. So Seattle is one I thought of. But you're right, the Browns. You know, I, I said the same thing. They were on my short list here. And I think the ultimately the big thing is, you know, O-line a little. And just I think we're, we're, we're gauging it a little on potential so far. We, we, yeah. we're, we think these guys could be this and that and this and that. But I don't know if we've actually seen these guys be that, what we think they can be yet. So that's where I had a little, you know, trepidation for their team a little bit. Pete throws a question at you. He goes, if you traded Lamar Jackson for Jimmy G, would you put the 49ers over the Ravens? So if you switched quarterbacks, would the 49ers have the most talented roster in the NFL? Ooh, that's a good, that's good, a good damn question. Because it, it is close. Oh, I think I would still go with the Ravens. I think I would. You know, and, you know, obviously, hmm. I think Lamar Jackson is greater than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but I guess... If I, you know, I still like the Ravens roster better. And the thing I think that really puts it over the top of me and really solidifies them as number one is the depth they have. You know, yeah. they're just one of those teams where I look at and just go, man, if they lost one or two guys on the offense and defensive line, they're going to be okay. You know, there's really not too many position or injuries that are going to hurt them. And their weakness of their football team with the Ravens to me was the middle linebacker position, and they got a first-rounder. And then they got another guy who I thought was a really damn good player for out of Ohio State, uh, Malik, I want to say Malik Harrison, in the fourth round, who I thought was a really damn good player too. So they addressed those needs. So, yeah, no, I don't think it – would, it would make it a little closer, but I still think I would end up going with Baltimore. I like that exercise. That's a fun exercise. It is. Because, you, 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 I mean, we always talk about the scheme and the coach and – you take that out of it and you just try to look at a pure talent standpoint, uh, who your top five. We we basically agreed there, Chris. A little a couple differences, uh, but that was pretty good. I you made I, me nervous. Think, but, no, yeah. I think we hit them. I think you hit all the you know, I like that you mentioned Pittsburgh. 
You know, yeah. you know, Pittsburgh's in that convo. They got their big thing is unproven commodities at the receiver position. If I if they if I felt better about their receivers, I might have really thought about putting them in the top five. Sure. You know, they're they're certainly one. Another one that I'll just throw out there on the radar, and I think you heard my dad say this last week, is the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. The Colts are a team, and again, I think it's some of the the fact that there's some unproven commodities still, but they're one of those rosters I look at and just go, man, there's a lot of talented guys that people don't know about yet. They got pretty good depth. Um, and then, of course, some guys who I think are like first and second year players where I go, ooh, I like this kid. I think he could be something. You know, we'll see whether they are something, but I, I just think it's a very well-constructed roster altogether. I loved your dad's pick of a dark horse MVP as Philip Rivers. I thought that was a really good one, and I, I could see that yeah. one. I mean, if they if they have a good year, that's going to be right. a huge story. Is that Philip Rivers resurrecting his uh, his career after a couple down years uh, in uh, in LA? All right, so we've settled that, Chris. Before we go, we need to settle one other thing: the mascot battle royale. This is it. We have to. We've we've talked about it a couple times. We've kind of halfway yeah. halfway discussed it. We need to put it to bed right now. So here is from uh, Maze Fire fifty six. He goes, "Love mascot wars brought up by Chris Sims and love the Vikings." So this is basically we're talking about who would win in a mascot battle. Um, but the giant of Game of Thrones was pretty formidable, which I don't know if you can say that's what the Giants, New York Giants, are. Because Game of Thrones no. wasn't even around when they came up with that name. Uh, the real question is if the Jets are a passenger or fighter jet. Oh, that is a good question. He goes, I think the F-35 can handle the Cowboys. That's a, go that's a good uh, way to look at it. <laughs> um, so so who, do you who do you think here? Uh, so a mascot battle royale. You put them all in a ring. Who comes out? Victorious. Who is the mask, the last mascot standing, Chris? Have you thought about well, this anymore? No, and I haven't thought about this at all. Like I knew we were okay. doing on this all in right. the pod, but I went totally just I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like really I got this. this out. I'm gonna figure it out this. on the fly. So okay, go so ahead. I've I've, hear I've so I've I've grouped them off a little bit. You know, you, you got the birds who I think are intriguing. I think they can get away, but I don't think they have much attack power. So Cardinals, Seahawks, Falcons, Eagles, Ravens, they're they're Sorry. out. Right. Um, I think I like that you go so they're out. So um you have a couple um giants and steelers. So you just have like giants is basically because of all the tall buildings in uh, New York. They were right. named after the, the baseball giants, and then you got the football giants, and and then the Steelers are just basically steel. I'm putting those as like the two worst. I think they would be the two losers because they're just inanimate objects, basically. There's no offense there. While their defense might be good, it's tough to crush steel. They have literally no offense. They just sit there. So if you're going to do a first loser, it's either the buildings in New York or the Steelers. Well, you're probably right. Buildings in New York, for sure. The Steeler, I think, is actually actually a person, right? But he's like the oh, guy that it? hits the steel. But either oh, way, you're right. all he does is have that big club and hit steel. I don't know how many things he's going to be able to beat, <laughs> ultimately. So I don't think... I think you're still good. I'm with you. The okay. Giants, I mean, unless you have like, I don't know, uh, the Avengers assemble, maybe they could pick up the city and drop it on certain objects. I don't yeah. know. Other than that, you're, I'm with you. They're in deep crap here. You need help from other other mascots out there. So, okay, so that settles it. The Giants, yeah. the tall buildings in New York are the losers. They're the first out. They have right. literally no offense. Okay, so I'm putting the Steelers with a human category. 
So Steelers are there now with uh, the Texans. You got the Chiefs. You got the Raiders. You got the Cowboys, Packers, Vikings, Buccaneers, 49ers. And you also have um, Paul Brown, the first coach and GM of the Browns. And so that's what <laughs> you got to throw Paul Brown in there uh, as a human mascot. Um, so I think th those are all intriguing to me because of the human ingenuity, right? You, you, you don't underestimate that. I think any human can beat an animal, especially a human with a weapon. And yes. a lot of those humans there have weapons. So all but, those are in the mix. But the, the mix Packers and Browns don't have weapons, right? I mean, does he get Browns to bring a meat packing, meat packing equipment? I don't know. That's, they're just packing the equipment. I don't think they get to hold, you know, weapons. So I don't <laughs> think we can give them that kind of edge. Now, yeah. I ask you, the question is, though, with like the Texans, the Cowboys, yes, the, the Patriots, and who else did you mention there? You know, they all got guns and weapons. Who's going to win do. that fight? Is it going to be they the do. real question? Yeah, I, I always contend it's the, the person who is more likely to break the rules. You know, and so it's like you don't want the rule follower when it's a, a battle to the death with one mascot left standing. So I think the Buccaneers and the the uh, the Raiders have uh, have a little bit of an advantage there. Um, yeah. Pete says uh, just Paul Brown chilling in his blazer. Yeah, I, I throw him out of there. I don't think he's going <laughs> to be able to deep crap much of a fight. Um, but here, so here after thinking of it, Chris, I, I finally came to the conclusion. Okay, but wait, do you what? really think like? The 49er or the Viking, I mean, I guess so. I was at the 49er what? or the Viking with their pickaxe or whatever they got, their yeah. sword. When a lion or a bear comes at them, like, yeah, yeah, they might kill that animal, but that animal probably is going to kill them in the process of them killing it, too. So, is that a win? You got it. I think you got to go by win percentage, right? What, how many times would the person kill the bear and how many times would the bear kill the person? I think you just, yeah, that's what you have to start looking at here. And I would, I'd put my money on the human to be, to be honest with you. I think, okay, I, I think uh, I would too. You're right. Human with a weapon. I'm going to put my money on him. A skilled fighter. Right. Yes. So, but having said all of that, I looked up one thing, Chris, that swayed me in this whole talk. Yeah, I got two um, thoughts for you that's going to sway you, I think. I just we okay. haven't mentioned yet. So, so, so maybe I won't be right here. But I looked up, and this is going to be tough to beat, Chris. Maybe you can convince me. Uh, the Titan. I looked up, what is the Titan? Like, what? where did they get that from? And apparently it's from Greek mythology. Uh, Nashville, I was not aware of this, is known as the Athens of the South. I did not know that. I've never heard that before. And it was on Wikipedia, and it may not be true. But that's what it said there. Um, so the Titan comes from Greek mythology. So we're talking literally, Chris, here, a Greek god. And I can't think of any mascot that could defeat a Greek god. And so for my money, I think the Titan, I think a Greek god would win the battle royale of NFL mascots. Tell me so I'm wrong. Well, it's, it's, it's a good theory. Is he going to beat a saint, though? I mean, if we're going to get into mythology, like the saint, are you sure he's going to beat one of God's messengers? I'm not sure. That was the wild card. I'm like, what? So, so like, yeah, and is then, the saint like, like the saint has no offense? Though, is the saint going to kill anyone? No, he's a saint. Well, he might pray them to death. Who knows? He could pray for you know them. I don't know. You're right. They'd be in trouble there. No, Pete, no. You know what? Pete does say God. Um, plenty of gods have perished. 
God's messengers have perished, you say. And what about, you're forgetting about the Chargers. I mean, they shoot lightning, you know? I mean, the Chargers, yes. they're another one I look at, and I don't know if God controls their lightning or their charge or whatever else, but they certainly throw a wrinkle into this conversation. For sure, for sure. But lightning, although, has been known not to kill people, which I think is a, is a mark against lightning. You're That's right. A sign of weakness. That does a sign. Of You're right. It is a sign of weakness. That guy in the great out. Oh, you haven't seen that movie. The hell with it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? The movie? great outdoors. There's a guy that gets struck by lightning like seventy-seven times. Oh. So that <laughs> proves your point. See, totally. Um, so I think so. Here's Pete says. I feel like the requirement of saint is to die a martyr. They might be the first mascot out so it might be yeah. the opposite for this oh thing. he's yeah, gonna sacrifice himself yeah okay so i'm gonna All stick right. with the titan i'm gonna stick with the titan chris do you agree or disagree with me i think i can get behind that dude uh, i think really broke it down about as well as i've heard anybody break it down <laughs> you really did the different categories and as you really get into it and i didn't know what a titan was exactly so we'll get behind that yeah i, I think if we're gonna say that's what they are then yes, there's nobody else on this list that I think can mess with that. Yeah. And I'm just but, giving the double check, but you're right. I don't think there's anybody else. That's it. They win. One outstanding. There's one outstanding, the Washington football team. We don't quite know what that means. I guess right it's just now, a football team. It's just a team. big W. A W can't beat you right now. They just <laughs> it's a W, but it's just not that dangerous. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. We've we've settled it, Chris. We finally did it. We, we settled it. Settled the whole thing. We went into the podcast with three subjects to talk about, and we yep. still went an hour and twenty. Minutes. I know we are it's, we are unbelievable. We got one question here to finish it off, Chris. With an "Ask Me Anything," it comes from a friend of the pod, Alexa Fiesta on Twitter, and she asks, "How are you maintaining your tan in quarantine?" My mom wants to know. So, Chris, how are you doing it? You have you have probably the best tan that I've ever seen you with. I think. This is the I've, best tan you've ever had. I, I'm I'm outside a lot, you know, just because you're in quarantine doesn't mean I got to lock myself in the house. So, yeah, uh, it's like I, being outside, playing with the kids. I can't go to a gym, right, and work out. So I've gone to like, you know, I'm doing like prison workouts and I go outside <laughs> and I run up a hill and do some push ups and then I run down the hill and do some sit ups. And so I'm really getting outside more than anything between the kids and the pool a little bit, but my workouts too. And I do, I, I want to thank, thank uh, Alexa there. It's one of the best tans I've ever had in my white life. So it's, it's working out pretty good. I got a good primer in there this year. Like, honestly, I'm looking at it right now. You might be darker than me for the first time in the history of us. You are darker <laughs> than me. I think I am right now. I feel like I'm a little red too right now. I'm a little warm and like flustered sitting here in the room, but I am, as I look here on the screen, I'm a shade darker than you right now. Crazy. Crazy. My lights are too bright. I got to turn down my <laughs> lights a little bit. I can't let this happen next time. Uh, well, all right. We're, that's it. That's we it. We did it. All right. We, we did it, but did we do it? Can we get an armpit check, please, before we leave? Honestly, I haven't checked. I feel really good right now. Like, I feel like I've cool calm collected i feel like i haven't sweat that much there's a lot there's actually a lot there <laughs> so i was wrong <laughs> you were wrong it felt good it just didn't look that good all right yeah. you the man
Thank you sure for being uh, such a good sport too and, and talking yep. and taking all that crap all the time. Me I, too, on the yeah. other hand, am also not great just to make you feel better. Okay, so, good. Finally. Good. good. Go he fuck lives yourself, in glass okay? houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll be back. Me, Ahmed Farid. I think we'll have the big fucker on on Thursday. We'll continue yeah. to follow the NFL, as I always say. First off, please hit us up with any questions. We're always going to save them away and continue to answer them. Other thing that needs to be done, the Peter King podcast. Download yes. it. Peter King, when, you know, he got to talk to John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. Those interviews are up anywhere you want to get your podcast right now. It's worth a listen. And, of course, Peter King's as good as it gets in the business. And those are the Baltimore Ravens, our team that we think is the best in football, the MVP of football. And I'm sure that'll be a good listen. But uh, you the man, Ahmed. I'll see you Thursday. Everybody out there, be safe, be good. Let's clap it up, baby. Well done, everyone. We did it. We made it to the finish line.